imagine if you could overhear private, unfiltered conversations between the world's most influential and inspirational women? Now you can. Welcome to Leadership Global, where you'll hear from inspiring leaders who will help you define your vision, grow your leadership, expand your influence, and increase your impact to leave a lasting legacy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Lead Hership Global Program. I am so excited to welcome all of you to this week's program, where we have the privilege and pleasure of speaking with Deanna Singh. Deanna is an author, a speaker, and the founder and chief change agent of Flying Elephant. That's an umbrella organization for four different social ventures. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Deanna about how to be an ally. This is a really exciting topic that I know is really relevant to everyone listening. And Deanna is one of America's leading experts on transformational leadership and a highly regarded leader in the field of leadership and diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, we're taught to believe that hard work and dedication will lead to success, but that's not always the case. Gender, race, ethnicity, religion, disability, even sexual orientation are among the many factors that can actually affect our chances. And it's up to each of us to be allies to those who face discrimination. Today, we're gonna talk about how to support people who are underrepresented in the workplace. There's no magic wand for correcting diversity and inclusion. Change actually happens one person at a time, one act at a time, and one word at a time. But it doesn't take a special skill or a special talent to be an ally for marginalized groups. Anyone can do it. In fact, people of marginalized groups can and should be allies for each other as well. So that brings us to the question, what is an ally? Well, an ally recognizes that though they may not be a member of a marginalized group, they support, they make a concerted effort to better understand the struggle of another person's circumstance. Now, sometimes an ally may have more privilege and recognize that privilege in society. Banning together with marginalized groups can actually help defeat ignorance and intolerance. And that's what we're going to talk about today. An ally doesn't necessarily mean that you can completely identify with experiences of injustice of the oppressed group, but it does mean that you'll stand with them and you'll stand for them in the face of discrimination. Now, before we dig in, let me tell you about Deanna. Deanna Singh wants to live in a world where marginalized communities have power. She is an expert social entrepreneur and she is obsessed with making the world a better place. She will build or break systems to create positive change. And while tackling complex social challenges, Deanna actually gives audiences the tools and the courage to imagine, to activate, and to impact the world as agents of change. She's described as a trailblazer and a dynamic speaker who's at the forefront of social change. She's an accomplished author, an educator, a business leader, and a social justice champion who speaks to over 50,000 people on an annual basis. 
Dana is also the founder and chief change agent of Flying Elephant. And as I noted, that's an umbrella organization for four different social ventures. Through their work in the spheres of DE&I, healthcare, children's literature, and leadership, these four varied companies are actually united in their mission to shift power to marginalized communities. Deanna's current projects include serving as the lead instructor for the Professional Certificate in Diversity and Equity and Inclusion offered by the University of Wisconsin Center for Professional Executive Development and publishing two new books, Action Speak Louder and a new book for American Girl that has been released as of June 2021. She's been recognized by the Milwaukee Business Journal as one of the community's most influential 40 under 40 leaders and the state of Wisconsin as a woman who inspires and by Forbes as an African-American woman that everyone should know. And I got to tell you, I completely agree that everyone should know Deanna Singh. She is a dynamic leader. She is a powerhouse and she is someone I am grateful and honored to know. Deanna, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for that wonderful introduction, not just to me, but also to the idea of allyship, Linda. It is so lovely. It, it literally makes my day that I get a chance to have a conversation with you. Oh, thank you so much, Deanna. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Now, I'm really interested in your journey. Tell us a little bit about what's led you to have such passion around building diverse teams and in inclusive cultures. There's a number of things that kind of led to this moment, but one of the things that people often will say is they'll say, Deanna, you know, how did you get into diversity, equity, inclusion? And I like to tell people, I was born into this. Um, my background is, is really interesting. So my mom comes from a very small community in McGee, Mississippi. Uh, she's African-American. And my father comes from a very small community in Punjab, India. So from a small village in, in India. And they met and got married, not having the same culture, not coming from the same background, the same country, not even speaking the same language. They decided to get married after just three months. So my parents just celebrated their, their over 40 years now of, of marriage. And as their firstborn, one of the really awesome things was that as a child, I got to see these two people who on paper, absolutely, right? Like East and West, all these differences, all these things. You, you know, you wouldn't assume that they'd be able to build this amazing foundation, but I got to see them build this bridge. And I like to tell people uh, as they're, they're first born, I got to run across that bridge. I got to jump on it, test its strength. I got to play on it. I, I brought people along with me on top of that bridge. And it really just was this phenomenal experience as a child. Now, fast forward, right, and, and knowing what can happen when you can find ways to connect to people who, again, we traditionally might think are so, you know, far removed that we couldn't do that. To do that, to do that from a place of love, to be able to really thrive, to bring other people along on that journey, to be the person who got to be the tour guide in many of those ways, like all of that such an awesome, awesome experience. And that is the work that I get to do every day in the companies and organizations that I support, right? Because I saw what that meant in my personal life, but I've also been able to see what it means in my professional spaces too. Just this idea that we really get an opportunity to thrive when we make space for one another, right? We get the opportunity 
to do and imagine things that don't exist in the world and create things that don't exist in the world when we're able to find our way to one another and really allow for us to flourish. And so uh, that that's what brings me to it is my, my own personal experience, which keeps me in it, is that I love seeing people win, right? I love seeing innovations. I love seeing people be able to grow and to, to get to their highest levels, but you can't do that if you haven't figured out a way to build these bridges and sustain them. Oh, that's so true, Deanna. And I love that personal story of growing up in a very diverse household, right? With your mom and dad being from different cultures, different parts of the world, speaking different languages, representing different races. There's so many different ways of describing diversity and inclusion. So can you help us understand in that diverse culture, uh, what being an ally looks like in practice? I love that you emphasize the word in practice, right? Because being an ally really is an action-oriented thing. When you're thinking about all of these different ways, right? All the cross-sections that make us the human beings that we are, there's so many different ways that we can show up, not just for ourselves, but actually for one another. So I think one of the really important things is just understanding the power that we have, right? The power that we have to be able to see people and see their intersectionality and really be able to understand or put ourselves in a position to want to understand the, the complexities that make all of us humans. So I think one of the, the main components is just the recognition, the recognition of all of us as individuals and all of the diversity that we have with inside of ourselves. So I think that's one thing. I think a second thing is thinking about whatever our spheres of influence. So. I love this concept of spheres of influence because in your opening remarks, one of the things uh, that you said that really stuck out to me was the fact that this isn't about like you have a certain title, right? Or you have a certain degree or you have to have, all of us have the capacity to be able to show up as allies. And we all have a sphere of influence, a, a space where we get to make decisions, where we're calling people together, uh, where people listen to us, where we, maybe we occupy a seat at the table that, or, or have a access to a microphone, or maybe we get invited onto an amazing podcast, right? We, we all have different spheres of influence. The question is, how do we use those? And so I think the second thing, one is recognizing, you know, who we are and, and the individuals that surround us. But the second thing is just recognizing where we are and, and what are our positions of power? And then how do we reframe those positions of power or those privileges even that we might have in a way that could be of service to others? You know, a lot of times when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, I want to remind people, what we're really talking about is good leadership, right? We're really talking about how do we take that next step? And so I think another actionable thing is understanding what your spheres of influence are and, and how you might look at those differently. And the third thing is taking action. No help to just see like, oh, I can see that we have some differences. Oh, I know where I have some power, but then to do nothing. Oh goodness, that's not great, right? What we want to be able to do is also think about how can we take action? So, uh, you know, again, I try to encourage people, like sometimes we think, okay, these have to be things that would hit the front of the newspaper or, you know, these big, uh, you know, I have to organize something really big or, or make all the changes in, in, in our company. But a lot of times it's the little actions that you can do on a daily basis that are sustainable that allow for you to show up as a true ally, right? It's the person who consistently is thinking, who in this room's voice needs to be elevated? Who gets talked over? How do I make sure that every meeting that I'm in, 
the people who are representing, you know, underrepresented groups or marginalized groups that every meeting that I'm in, that I make sure that their voice gets elevated and that they, that their ideas get elevated. Maybe that's your sphere of influence, whatever it might be, just being able to be consistent and take an action, not just sit on your hands. Oh, I love that. I love the idea that you don't have to create something uh, daunting around allyship. It's just one act, one intention done consistently over time. And I just feel like, you know, that makes it attainable for everyone. And, you know, research does show that employees at companies with a diversity and inclusion strategy experience much higher levels of creativity, much higher levels of engagement, and that the employees at those organizations indicate a stronger intent to stay in their jobs because they feel a stronger sense of belonging. And we also know that an engaged, inclusive, and diverse leadership group is critical to DI success too. So how do we go beyond just good intentions to create real change within an organization, knowing that there are so many tangible, real benefits to creating a creative, engaged workforce? I love this question, and I'm going to kind of flip it back on the audience just a little bit, because I want you to think about this same question in other contexts, okay? So let's just use an example, no matter what sector you're in, you're trying to do something, you're trying to put something out into the marketplace. So let's say you have a new, you know, uh, a new initiative that you want to put out into the marketplace, a new product that you want to put out into the marketplace. When you decide that that's what you want to do, what happens? You bring together some experts, you bring the talent together, you put some resources behind it, you put a strategy in place, you test your strategy, you make adjustments, and friends, the same applies with diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think for too long and too often, we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion as like, that's how we should behave. You know, it's kind of our moral code. And I think that that's really powerful. It's really important. It is uh, one of the things that makes it kind of a unique component. It's not the same as just putting something out in, into the marketplace. However, there is also a very strong business imperative. And if we're gonna talk about this in a real way within our organizations, then we need to apply the same kinds of techniques that we are applying in our other priorities to what we're doing in diversity, equity, and inclusion. We wouldn't sit around and think, oh, we've got this whole, this new initiative. I sure hope everybody feels good about it. I, sh I sure hope, right, that we, I sure, I, we wouldn't do that, right? That would seem very foolish and we can giggle about that because that is not the way that we go to market, right? That is not the way that we change things inside of our company. That is not the way that we create, we don't do that with like a hope and a, and a, and a whim, right? Like that's not we do it with intention. And so I think the number one distinguishing characteristic I see between organizations who have a diversity, equity, and inclusion culture that is really thriving and one that is struggling, right? One that is seeing that high turnover, isn't seeing that innovation revenue, isn't seeing, is the fact that there's intention and there's strategy. I love that idea of taking action and creating a, a defined strategy around this idea of ensuring that the workplace is diverse, is inclusive, and does give uh, employees that opportunity to be creative, to feel engaged, to 
to feel that strong sense of belonging so that they can do their best and highest work. And you know, we know that companies with a chief diversity officer who sets the DNI strategy, as you said, those companies are actually much better at attracting, developing, and retaining talent. These results are even stronger when the CEO partners with the chief diversity officer. So in that kind of scenario, Deanna, what does it look like to take a meaningful stand on racial equality in the workplace? So I love when our chief development officers, and we have, you know, just amazing, just CDOs that we get a chance to work with. I love when they are able to come and talk with great confidence, right? And demonstrate in what they show that their senior leaders, their CEOs are all a part of the process and a part of the conversation and a part of the strategy. So I think just even making sure that that that, that is bridged together allows for CDOs to be so much more successful because what it is, is it's a message clear from the very top that this is something that we are prioritizing. We haven't taken it and put it into this little bitty office over here that you know that one person is responsible for it, but it really elevates it. And the CEO has the opportunity to elevate the work across the entire organization. I think that when those two things are working in tandem, one, that you have somebody who can hold the strategy, right? Who is watching, who is looking at the trends, is working with uh, other experts, is being able to bring in all of the information that's out there on how we can do this and do this work even better alongside the person who really is setting the tone for the culture of the organization. When both of those parties can work in tandem, that's when you see the depth, right? That's when you see uh, real trans, uh, real transformation. And so I think that those are, are, are key components. I oftentimes, and, and Linda, let's, let's be real here, right? Oftentimes, um, and I'm seeing a shift away from this. And so I have to say, like, I'm actually very glad to see the shift away from this. Oftentimes it's just one person. Right, and, and maybe the CEO doesn't even know that that person exists or that that space exists, and and it's tucked into something else, and there's no resources that are allocated. And that when I see those CEO or those those chief development officers, they're like always holding their heads and like you know because they're holding the weight of this really important work, but they're not resourced appropriately. Uh, and that's not just financial, that's also in the social capital that comes with having your leadership be on board. So I think that's like the best case scenario when both are, are really working together. And then what is really phenomenal is that it's not just working together, but it's also holding one another accountable, right? So being able to say on the other end, here's what we're hoping to achieve. Here's where we're headed. Here's what our strategy is. And here's where we've done really well. And here's where we have some work to do. There's power in being able to name where you're trying to go, where, how far you've gotten, and where you still are lacking. There's power in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I just feel like there's so much wisdom and insight and expertise in, in the guidance that you just offered, Deanna. Thank you so much. But it leads me to my next question. How can leaders like chief diversity officers, COOs, CEOs, how can they uh, create a culture of allyship within the workplace? What can they do to model it? And what can they do to cultivate a environment and a culture where allyship is the norm and where allyship is expected and celebrated? So I think, uh, and, and this sometimes makes me a little bit unpopular, um, but I think that one of the most important things to do in this work 
is to get yourself in the right place. Uh, I have, you know, especially over the last course, you know, couple of years, we've had to do some reverse engineering, right? Come in and kind of do some, uh, some, some support for, for leaders because almost always with good intentions, leaders are like, wait, you're right. I should be doing this. And they jump full, they jump in, in full force. And I understand that passion, right? As a, as a leader of a company too, if I see something that needs to be, I'm like, let's go, let's, let's, let's get in there. Let's, let's make the change. However, what we have found is that if leaders haven't taken the moment, right, pushed a little bit of a pause button to say, hey, wait a minute, let me find out where I am on my own personal journey before I jump into this space, there can be problems, right? Because what ends up happening is it feels really inauthentic for someone to get up and say, I'm espousing all this amazing things around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And your, and your team was like, wait a minute, though, but you're you're actually right. Your, your reactions are not showing us that you, that you have the ability to have these conversations with us or that you should be leading these conversations. And so I think the, the critical component, and I cannot stress this enough, if this is something that you want to do, I applaud you. I encourage you to do it. I think it's so important. We are seeing all the data demonstrates that this is one of the most competitive advantages that you can bring into your organizations. It is your responsibility if you are at the head of the organization to bring this into the culture. But do not forget that in tandem with whatever you're trying to do for the entire organization and the culture of the organization, you also have to do for yourself. You have to start with you as an individual leader. Once you're able to do that, then you can start to have some of these authentic conversations. Too much of this is wrapped up in our own social identity for you to try and skip that step. Yeah, that's so true. I think uh, you're right. Change begins with, with yourself as a leader. And it's about assessing your own attitudes, belief systems, and actions as it pertains to being an ally. Uh, before you're able to really cultivate a culture that celebrates allyship and celebrates diversity and inclusion. But let's talk about that, the celebration of diversity and inclusion. How can any leader or any organization really begin to embrace the idea of diversity and inclusion and celebrate that? So I, I think there's so many different ways that you can do this. And I, I really do genuinely believe that the most important way to do it is to use a principle of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is to bring your team in and let them teach you the best ways to celebrate. I think, again, you know, this is one of those spaces where people are like, Dana, do you have a calendar that has every single holiday of every single thing, you know, and this, and, and there are wonderful ones out there that exist. And, you know, I think I, I applaud organizations who are trying to learn more about different, but that's, that's, that's not going, you know, first of all, it's almost impossible to do. Right. And a second, like, you, you know, there's always going to be somebody that maybe you don't, you, you miss, and now you got to figure out this and, and there's all these different things as opposed to being like, wait a minute, let's focus on some of our processes inside as an organization. Let's focus on our learning. Let's actually focus on giving people the opportunity to share more about themselves. Those, even though that's not like, oh, I can just go to a, you know, and click off. I got everything on the calendar. I, I hit all the marks and everything. So it's harder than that, but it's so much more impactful, right? So it's, how do you, how do you really like turn, we, we, we often use this analogy, right? Like we want to be able to show you a mirror of yourself 
like who you are as an organization. So let's give people the opportunity to really reflect, like, here's all the diversity that we have in our organization. One of my favorite uh, moments with leaders, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I had no idea how much diversity we had in our organization. This is so cool. So one part of it is, is a mirror. The other thing we like to say is we like to kind of tilt it, right? To show you not just who you are, but who you could become. And that tilt, the best tilt comes when your team says, hey, can I share a little bit more about myself? Hey, can I share a little bit more about my identity? Hey, can I tell you some of the things that are really important to me? Can I, can I share a little bit about how I in, in, interpreted this in, in a different way than maybe we've interpreted this thing in the past? And so the, it's more around like that process component as opposed to like, I'm using the calendar example as one, as opposed to these kind of check the box moments. Yeah, so smart. Deanna, I feel like you are just so uh, chocked full of incredible insight and wisdom incredibly valuable expertise that I could, I could talk to you for the next hour about issues associated with diversity, equity, and inclusion, and just soak up all of the incredible wisdom that you have to offer. But I want to be respectful of our time together. So I'm going to wrap up with one last question. What is the best leadership advice that you've ever received? I feel like this changes on a, on a every minute basis, uh, <laughs> right? Because as leaders in different moments, we're, we're, we're needing different things. But I would say one of the, the most important things I have learned as a leader is that if, if you are following your purpose, right? And we define purpose as what are you uniquely positioned to do in the world? I wrote a whole book on this, right? That was one of the other books I've, I had the fortune of being able to write, which is Purposeful Hustle. If you know what your purpose is, you can define it, you can come back to it, you can use it to decide what you should or should not be doing. It is such a grounding thing. So whenever I feel like I'm a little bit lost or I feel overwhelmed or I'm tired, right? I always come back to this idea of purpose. And I share the same purpose as the as the company's purpose, which is shifting power to marginalized communities. And you know, even in the diversity, equity, and inclusion work, if you know what your purpose is, and you look at your purpose through a diversity, equity, and inclusion lens, you can see so clearly, the more that I can sit with and understand inclusion, the more I can bring people along with me, the faster I'm going to be able to shift power to marginalized communities, right? So whatever your purpose is too, if you take the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion, you overlay it among your purpose, you're going to get excited. There's no, there's no other way to describe it. You're going to get excited because there's so much more you can do and you can get to it so much faster and you can bring so many more people uh, along with you. So I would say that that's the number one thing. Know what your purpose is. Understand it, that. use it, come back to it and let it be your guide. I love that. So simple, so true. And ensuring that your purpose is your North Star with an overlay of diversity, equity, and inclusion what a brilliant strategy as we enter a brand new year to rethink our purpose, our mission, our vision, and to really create clarity around that. So Deanna, thank you so much. We are so grateful for your time. Uh, everyone, please join us next week for the next Lead Hership Global Show, where we will have another inspiring and educational speaker, world-class expert, just like Deanna. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining Lead Hership Global's award-winning podcast. 
As a member of Leadership Global, you have the opportunity to meet inspirational leaders, create lifelong friendships, and be surrounded by others who are invested in your success. Join our global community of inspiring women in leadership, women who will help you create greater levels of impact, support your personal and professional breakthroughs, and help you accelerate your success. Don't miss out on the opportunity to show up, speak up, and step up in your professional and your personal life. Find out how you can join us at leadhershipglobal.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.